Welcome to Deep Dive into Five, where we answer your most common questions on a clinical topic. I'm Dr. Greg Sherman, Chief Medical Officer for NACE, and will be your host for this program, Deep Dive into Multi-Cancer Early Detection, or MSED, Your Questions Answered. Joining me is Dr. Mylinda Massert, Medical Director of the Primary Care Precision Center at UPMC and Assistant Professor in the Department of Family Medicine at the University of Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Dr. Massert has a special interest in MSEDs and early cancer screening. Welcome, Mylinda. Thank you. So great to be here today. Glad to have you. So, Mylinda, before we jump into the actual questions of this program, I think it would be important to give our audience a little bit of a refresher on MSED and how it works. Is it available so that we set the stage to address the real questions our learners have had? Yes, absolutely. So MSED stands for Multi-Cancer Early Detection Testing, which actually measures cell-free DNA, which is released by cancer cells called circulating tumor DNA, often seen as ctDNA. We can actually analyze these small fragments of circulating tumor DNA and study the methylation patterns, which can distinguish the location and type of cancer. There are actually unique methylation patterns of DNA in all the cells of our body that make each tissue unique, as well as unique methylation changes that occur as a pattern as cancer develops. These are like unique fingerprints that can be used to recognize both the presence of a cancer signal in the body, as well as to determine the tissue of that cancer and where it is originating from. This technology utilizes next-generation sequencing. And as we are now really expanding into multi-cancer early detection testing, um, I just want to remind you that we really want to utilize sensitivities and specificities uh, to evaluate the um, effectiveness of the screen. In multi-cancer early detection, you're actually combining the sensitivities and specificities for multiple cancers, which are all detected within the test itself. In addition, we use negative predictive value and positive predictive value so that we can feel confident in the results. Currently, there is just one of these multi-cancer early detection screens available on the market, which is called Gallery, and there are several that are in the late stages of development and will be coming to market likely in the near future. Melinda, thanks for that uh, refresher. I think that's really helpful for our learners to set the stage for the next questions. The focus of this program is five questions in less than 50 minutes, so let's jump into it with our first question. Who's eligible for this test? Yeah, so this is really created to uh, complement our current USPSTF screening for cancer, and in particular, to supplement screening for patients who are considered high risk. And you can be high risk for multiple different reasons. The most common is being age 50 or older, because that's when the rate of cancer dramatically increases. Other reasons could be personal history of cancer previously or very strong family history of cancer, a known genetic predisposition cancer mutation like the BRCA mutations, or certain different environmental exposures which can increase our risk for cancer. What about pediatric patients? Yeah, absolutely. So it turns out that this current technology that has been released on the market is not actually available for pediatric patients. We don't recommend utilizing this in anyone under 21. 
And that's mostly because the, the significant rate of cancer is not very high in the pediatric population. And so this test or screening test is not great for the pediatric population at this time. So is there any particular age you would recommend starting it? Yeah, the age that we normally think of starting it is age 50 or above, unless someone has one of those other additional high-risk factors, then any time over the age of 21 would be relevant if those um, high-risk factors were identified by the clinician. Great. Thanks very much for clarifying those, uh, those questions that were addressed. Let me move on to the, the second question. This is probably a two-parter, really. What actually happens with the MSED test results? Uh, once we've ordered them? Yeah, so once the test has been ordered, it takes about 10 days to get results back. The results come back in a portal, and they will come back one of two ways. 98% of your results are actually going to come back cancer signal not detected, which is very, uh, very, very much reassuring with a negative predictive value of 98% approximately. The other possibility is that about about 1% to 2% of the time, your results will come back cancer signal detected. Now, if that result comes back, it does not mean that the patient 100% has cancer at that time. It's a post-test probability. So with a positive predictive value of this test around 44%, that means that patient at this moment in time has about a 1 in 2 chance of having cancer. And so with the one in two chance of having cancer, we're definitely going to initiate a guided workup. And that workup will be directed based on the report on the cancer signal of origin, uh, which often has recommendations for um, initiating that evaluation. And I always talk to a lot of primary care docs around the country and recommend that depending on where you practice and access to specialists, you might initiate that workup yourself as the, as the main provider or the ordering provider. And it would also be really appropriate to reach out to one of our oncology colleagues to help and, and support us in that initial evaluation. Terrific. I think, I think that helps clarify. Well, let's say if the test comes back negative, how frequently should we, should we be repeating this because maybe they are bound to develop it after we've tested it? Yeah, so that is a really great and important question. Um, there is currently no set interval, and really that should be individualized at this point in a shared decision-making process with the patient based on their risk. So if you have a high-risk patient, um, you might want to consider a more frequent interval, so maybe twice a year. If you have a very low-risk patient, um, you might want to consider maybe one every once or every two years for screening. Um, this is actually data that I really expect to be established um, to help give us a guideline in the near future from many of the real-world trials that are occurring around the, around the country and, and around the world. Great. I think that's some good guidance, and uh, hopefully we will get some of the data shortly to, to help inform our decision-making. So let's move on to the next question. What about cancer survivors? Can this kind of testing be used to determine whether or not they've had a recurrence, a metastasis, or even a new primary cancer that we should be considering? 
Yeah, so this question is really important and and a little bit complicated. So um, as I mentioned earlier, someone who's previously had cancer is at higher risk for having cancer again. Um, That could be a recurrence or it could be a new cancer as some of our cancer treatment modalities actually increase that risk of a secondary cancer later in life. The recommended guidelines is that someone who has undergone treatment for cancer should be considered cancer th- uh, cancer free for three years prior to using this screening test. Um, however, having said that, uh, it is very much possible that we could pick up a recurrence after that three-year window or even a new primary cancer. In the oncology space, there are similar types of technologies that are being developed that actually will look at um, metastatic disease, cancer burden, and actually response to treatment over time and residual disease monitoring. This is a, a completely different version of this technology and is not included in this type of screening test. Thanks for that clarification. Probably one of the most common questions that clinicians have when they're faced with new technology or treatment options is the state of insurance coverage and whether or not their patients will be able to get access to it. Can you get into some of those access issues? Yes, I think that this is definitely one of the most common questions that I hear and um, and is, is sort of the, the elephant in the room when the discussion comes up, both with other clinicians and when I talk about it with my patients. So because this is an emerging precision medicine technology, it is not yet covered by all insurance plans. The out-of-pocket cost is $949, which can definitely lead to an accessibility issue, Um, but I think it is really important to still offer this consistently to all of our patients who meet the eligibility criteria to supplement their routine screening. There are many real-world trials that are currently in place, including the Vanguard study and a National Health Service study in the UK, which I do believe will help provide the final pieces of data that will lead in ultimate coverage for everyone. At least that's the hope. Um, And I think it's also important to let patients know that uh, if they have a flexible medical spending account, this is eligible for reimbursement through that process. So some of our colleagues wondered whether or not follow-up testing, diagnostic testing from a positive test that was not covered would ultimately covered by insurance. Is that an issue for them? Yeah, that's a really great question. So because this test actually has such a high positive predictive value, as I mentioned before, if you get a screen that comes back positive for cancer signal detected, there's a one in two chance that that patient actually has cancer at that given moment. The actual diagnostic evaluation is being covered by the insurance companies. Okay, so get the data, and then they will have their usual coverage for anything they need to do to resolve that test result. Correct. I do think occasionally when we're looking at new testing, we sometimes have to uh, do a little um, more intense authorization, but what I'm hearing is that for the most part, everything is being covered. That's great to know. So, my Linda, we're in the home stretch, and this is the last question. Does this technology replace our traditional screening that we're currently using in practice? So, the multi cancer early detection is not intended to replace our current screening that we're using uh, in practice, which is 
our, our four USPSTF recommended guidelines. It is really meant to complement screening and in particular in the high-risk population. So as we discussed earlier in patients who are over the age of 50 or are high risk by, by one of the other considerations. Again, multi-cancer early detection has a great positive predictive value because it's actually an aggregate of the sensitivities of all of the different cancers that are in the screening test. However, it does not replace the high sensitivity and specificity of the single organ screening that we are currently using, which are our gold standards. So I also want to remind everyone that um, this is also very different than hereditary cancer testing. Um, you may have used this before for your patients as well. And this is looking for a genetic predisposition or higher risk for developing cancer in the future by a, uh, an inherited genetic change, again, like the BRCA genes or Lynch syndrome genes. And instead, the multi-cancer early detection is a technology that's looking for actual signals of cancer currently in the body at the time that the blood draw is obtained. Well, Linda, I think that's a great perspective and help to our colleagues, and they'll appreciate knowing this information. Unfortunately, my Linda, we are out of questions and out of time, and I really want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me and share your expertise on MSED and how our colleagues can incorporate it into their primary care practices. This is really a fun way to get some new and useful information out to our colleagues uh, participating in this program. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me join. And if you're interested in learning more about MSEDGE, you can go to the NACE website at naceonline.com and register for any of our enduring activities on MSED screening or any other program we've developed. Please like us on Facebook at NACME to be part of our online social media community and get access to other content and programs we share. I also want to thank you, our audience, for joining us for this activity. I hope you've learned something that you can bring back to your practice, and we look forward to having you join us for other upcoming activities in the future.